0: Welcome to the I Spy with My MyoI podcast. I am your host, Brittany Murphy. I am a certified oral facial myologist, registered dental hygienist, and lifelong learner. My goal with this podcast is to bring you up to date in current literature and expand your knowledge of oral facial myofunctional disorders so that together we can get to the root cause of the problem. You ask, we'll answer by collaborating with true pioneers and specialties associated with the Mayo world. Join me on this journey as we dive into the life-altering world of tethered oral tissues and airway space. Let's do this thing. Quick disclaimer, all content expressed on this podcast are the views and opinions of the speakers and is for informational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace, professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Because every person is so unique, you should always consult with your specialized healthcare professional. Chad Wooters, MBA, Director of Operations and Coaching at Awaken to Sleep, started on a journey through education, business development, and the dental industry that led to dental sleep medicine. Since 2018, he has coached hundreds of dentists and teams nationwide and is the architect behind the Sleep Hero Network Online Academy. Using his experience, Chad coaches dental practices to build successful dental sleep medicine practices. As someone who struggles with obstructive sleep apnea, he is deeply passionate about raising awareness of this health concern. As a national speaker and educator, Chad's mission is to equip others with tools to ensure success for all stakeholders. Welcome to the podcast, Chad. I'm so excited, um, as I mentioned, as we were chatting a little bit before we started recording, to have you on today. So thank you for taking the time to come and be with me.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me on. I'm really excited. This is uh myofunctional therapy is a, a very big topic. I think it's getting a lot of popularity. So love Absolutely. to learn more from you and explore.
0: Yeah. So let's start off by having you share a little bit about yourself and also share about awaken to sleep for those that don't know what Awaken to sleep offers.
1: Yeah, sure. Um I'm Chad. Um got a master's in business and I'm director of operations at Awaken to Sleep, and I fell into dentistry. From the education and business background, I got a dental office that reached out to me and then found this crazy space uh, called dentistry, and then eventually kind of slipped into dental sleep medicine six years ago, and it's just been a wild ride. I ended up getting my own sleep apnea diagnosed and treated, been through appliance therapy, surgery, and now we're in a CPAP while I'm in orthodontic treatment, and uh, it's just been awesome. Awaken to Sleep traditionally started off um, doing some other different things. Um, and we decided that we wanted to be a coaching company. We Mm -hmm. found a lot of clients, uh, dentists, dental teams, they just need help doing more sleep and making money doing it. Not that money is the reason we get into it, but we have businesses to run. Mm -hmm. And so we, as a company, that's what we do is we coach and work with practices to build systems, help patients, and ultimately grow a profitable practice that can reach more patients in its work.
0: Now, if somebody wanted to, um, you know, hire you guys for your services, for your coaching services, would they um, visit your website? Are they more like on-demand modules that they learn or how does that work?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. We um, we do have education or training as we like to call it. Uh, we do courses on like live virtual. We do courses in person. We have an en- entire dental sleep medicine library that's got something like 95 CEs in it right now. That's all pre-recorded. Um, And that supplements our coaching that we do. Mm -hmm. And so what we do actually recommend, we're a little picky with who we work with, uh, being that we're coaches, you know, you don't always coach every team that wants to work with you because some, some don't want to be coached. And so depending on who you are, where you are, what your goals are, and the attitude in wanting to grow, uh, we want to work with you. And so we recommend a free coaching call where Mm -hmm. we'll actually take a look at your practice, your goals and see exactly what the next three things you need to do to grow your practice are. And then if it's a fit uh, and you like us and we like you, then we would potentially offer to invite you to a course or work with us as a coaching client. It just kind of depends. But I'd say go to the website, grab a free coaching call, um, talk to a coach about your goals and see how we can help.
0: I just love this because I feel like there are so many, you know, incredible providers out there, teams out there, offices out there that have Every intention of like taking these courses, taking all of that wonderful knowledge that they learned back to their offices. And then that's where they struggle. They have all this knowledge, but they are failing to implement it into their practice. Yeah. Um, and like I had mentioned to you prior to us hopping on, like, even outside of just the doctors, like the team, I obviously deal with a lot of hygienists being a myofunctional therapist and teaching myofunctional therapy, where a lot of my hygienists are like you know, outside of me doing the myofunctional therapy, like, let's just talk about my roles and RDH, like when I'm in there with that patient, like, how am I supposed to transition to these conversations when I've seen these patients for a decade and I've never mentioned anything about their sleep and their airway and their tongue, and this is why they're clenching and grinding. Um, So if you want to talk a little bit on that and maybe, you know, if you have any little tips and tricks of ways to kind of ease into those conversations a little bit, more fluidly.
1: Yeah, it was a funny sidebar on hygienists is when I first started training. Um, well, I actually built out a very detailed screening curriculum. Uh, I think we have a free ebook on it somewhere. Uh, I can get that for your folks if yeah. we, if yeah, we need to. Great. But what I found out is that a lot of hygienists, um, you guys are incredibly busy. I mean, you guys yeah. have a lot of things. <laughs> and then when doctor comes back from a course, he gives you more a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I had a couple death stares the first times I taught about adding another conversation. And so for about a year and a half, this really bothered me. And so we built a curriculum just around this idea of having a brief conversation that's as impactful as possible in under a minute and a half, two minutes. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you the whole outline and answer that question because um, I can share, share with you in a couple of minutes so you can do it in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are a hygienist and it's breaking your schedule, just reach out to us. I'd happily break down what we do because it shouldn't break your schedule But we need to have these conversations. Absolutely. Um, So first up is be honest with your patients. Mm -hmm. We are all learning and growing, hopefully. And Mm -hmm. so when you learn something new, one of the most impactful verbiage tips that we've given to practices is simply saying, you know what? We recently learned about the airways relationship to the dentistry we provide. And I'm really concerned about your airway. Mm -hmm. Now, I try to tell people, please don't say sleep apnea. Uh, no one has sleep apnea. Just ask them. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. So many people have sleep apnea,
0: <laughs> but it, it's a,
1: most people don't think they do. And so with that, we just got to make sure that we have verbiage that, that coincides with that. So first up is have, have a couple conversation starters to test out. I just learned this is a great way to bridge that. The second thing is get out of your own head. I mean, no one cares. We're learning new things all the time. So instead of starting with, I just learned this, you could just say something like, I'm concerned about your airway mm-hmm. from there i recommend you take three signs or symptoms uh subjective signs clinical medical history or intraoral signs such as bruxism tongue scalloping acid reflux uh, any number of signs that we see intraorally and just bring up three not more because now it's a list of things that you need to fix right no one likes to be fixed uh or so my wife has told me. i'm just kidding uh, No, <laughs> we'll look at that we've got to have this conversation that connects so mm-hmm. hey mrs jones as we're talking, I'm just, I'm really concerned about your airway. I think it could be impacting your dentistry and, and really just your overall health. Mm-hmm. I see some grinding going on. You talked about one of these morning headaches and with your high blood pressure, I just really think we need to do something to rule out that your airway is a factor in your mm-hmm. health. So we're ruling out that the airway is a factor. And the next step is a home sleep test, pretty much always. Right. And so that's it. That's the entire introduction framework. If they say no, you move on. And then at the end of the visit, if your doctor is aligned with your protocol, which is a really big piece, Mm -hmm. they should be asking you if there's any other concerns past the dentistry. Mm -hmm. At that point, we leverage the doctor's authority. We repeat the, the symptoms in front of the patient to the doctor, and the doctor takes it from there. Hopefully less than two minutes, they should be pretty confident in just saying, hey, Mrs. Jones, patients who present these signs and symptoms, the next step is for you to do a sleep test. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, that is like literally easy enough to do. I mean, anybody can go back and start that like literally tomorrow once they listen to this yeah. podcast. Um, And, you know, I always I just wrote an article for um RDH new grads talking about how easily you can implement an airway screener in your EOE, IOE, like it just it should not be taking all this extra crazy time to do it you're already looking at certain things you just need to look at them with a little bit of a different eye than you were yeah. trained to do in hygiene school and um so that's like i mean my passion project because in the dental office we see patients the most out of any other healthcare provider so we mm-hmm. have the power to make you know such changes in these patients lives and set them up on just such a better trajectory for overall health um what other obstacles, would you say, or common obstacles are that offices face in, you know, implementing these sleep programs?
1: Well, I mean, continuing on that sleep track, um, I do want to say something comment on what you just said, though, because I, mm-hmm. I think that's a, a, just a, such a, a powerful component. If you don't change anything about your regular restorative practice intake, mm-hmm. you have between five and 12 symptoms that you could be looking for that are right there in front of you right. that are just gold mines for sleep apnea awareness and, and airway screening. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back to your question though, the, the hiccups or the the obstacles, um, first is we don't have a clear workflow in a lot of practices. Mm-hmm. You know, hygienists can screen all day long, but what happens when they leave your chair and right. someone told them to do a home sleep test? Right. Um, if there's not a clear protocol for the front office staff or the doctor to write that in the system and then get them to the point that they're testing, mm-hmm. it's all for naught. Um, patients don't, I think it's something like 40% of patients ever go to the referred place if it's not internal. So right. that clear workflow has to be delineated. Um, number two, this happens a lot with hygienists and I think it's because of your training, but you want to know from my understanding, you want to know with confidence, that the test is accurate and that there's an outcome that's going to benefit the patients for this, this line of reasoning. Mm-hmm. And that's not wrong. Um, But if that's a hang up for you, the evidence is out there. The courses are out there. Go do the thing to get past that because it exists. Mm -hmm. Um, in my opinion, I think home sleep tests need to be like x rays. When we find something that's wrong with the oral cavity, with the tooth, the next step nine out of 10 times is an x ray or some kind of radiographic image, whether it be a cone beam, whatever your, a panel, whatever your office is using. The home sleep test needs to be the next step without any guesswork every single time there's an airway issue. So we just need to have that confidence that it doesn't matter if they're in a medical practice or the dental practice, Mm -hmm. the sleep test is the next step. Um, And then third is just a lack of confidence about handling patient objections. Mm -hmm. They don't, they get patients ask you questions and you just don't know where to go with that. And that's not wrong, but we've got tons of free resources on that exact prompt. We've got, um, verbiage and training. And and here's the thing. You don't have to have all the answers. Mm -hmm. People don't even care what you know until they know that you care. So take a second, let them know why you're sharing with them. And if you don't know the answer, let them know that you'll get back to them or we'll ask the doctor when he comes in. And that provides an opportunity for that furtherance of the conversation and actually communicates that care, which is most important in this conversation.
0: Yeah. I think so many people get nervous to not know the answer, Where somebody's going to respect you more for the fact that you are just being honest. Like, you know what? I don't know that answer, but I want to make sure that I get it for you. So I'm going to check with the doctor, with my colleague, wherever you're going to check out this information. Right. You're still providing the information that the patient's asking for. It's much better than you trying to formulate some kind of like, maybe half correct answer to this patient. You know what I mean? Like that's where you're going to lose your credibility and lose your respect. It's okay to not know everything. Nobody nobody knows everything. And even when you think you do, something's changing. Research is always being done. So it might change in the next decade or whatever the case may be. Um. So I love that. And I think, you know, the other thing too, as far as patient objections and hygienists, I think just struggle with this in all forms of dental treatment plans is the cost and the finance Mm. and knowing how to handle patients saying, well, what is this going to cost me now?
1: That is a great question. Um, And I, I'm going to say this as nicely as possible. Um, It might come off wrong and I apologize in advance, but that is not an appropriate question. It just, it isn't. Um, That's like a patient saying you say, Hey, Mrs. Jones, it looks like you might have something on tooth number nine. We've got to get an image for it. And she says, what's going to cost me to fix it? You are know, like, uh, well, if it's a cavity, it's, I don't know, 200 bucks. Right. If it's a crown, it's a thousand. You're not going to quote that fee. It's just not appropriate at that time. Right. Again, let's treat the home sleep test like an x-ray. We don't know anything mm-hmm. until we know what they have. And so what's crazy about this, and I kind of laugh, on the other side, if you want to know what the fees are, mm-hmm. if you're doing a non-clinical snore appliance for someone who's subclinical on their apnea diagnosis, not a full FDA-approved appliance for a full diagnosed patient, those range anywhere from $400 to $1,000. So they're really affordable. They're like bruxism guards. Mm-hmm. If there's full appliances, you've got the gambit. You've got from $1,800 to $7,000. I have no idea where your practice is. Right. Um and that sounds like a lot, but when you compare it to alternatives, my tonsillectomy, which I did for my sleep apnea, that cost me so the, the EOB. I didn't pay this, but it was something like $5,500 $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, and I didn't get to work for three weeks, that was way more expensive than an appliance. To go do other surgeries like the Inspire surgery right now is something between... Patients are paying between 30 and 50, and they're being billed over 150 into their insurance. I mean, compared to the alternatives, it's a very cost-effective modality. So one, don't feel pressure to answer that question. And two, I'll, I'll counter the question with, what is, it, what is it worth to expend your life by 7 to 10 years? Because that's what this therapy is doing. Um, the average mild, moderate to severe apnea loses 7 to 10 years of their life if they continue to go untreated. That's worth seven thousand dollars if I had to pay it cash.
0: That's only a thousand
1: dollars a year. Like my, I mean, my braces that I'm in right now are literally they're five thousand dollars, and they might not even help with my sleep apnea. But that's the cost to do the thing to get healthy. Same with your sleep apnea.
0: Now, um, I don't know if there's like a fast fact answer for this, but percent wise, like what would you say in in a typical dental practice, the percent of patients that have some form of sleep disorder breathing?
1: I have a very quick answer for that. So here's my (laughs) metrics. I'm going to bullet point them off. You're going to probably have to rewind this to get them all right down. But first up, we see that in a typical restorative practice, Mm -hmm. after a a training, the practice can screen 70% of their patients without additional coaching. The goal should be up to 85, 90. Mm -hmm. If you screen 70% of your patients between 29% 29% and 37.2% are at risk for an airway concern based on medical history, internal signs and subde- subjective complaints with a minimum of two signs or symptoms that present related to airway. From there, if you have that, that demographic, let's say 30 to 35%, when you test those patients, we see that over 85% of them are diagnosed with mild to moderate sleep apnea. I'm sorry, 70% are diagnosed as mild to moderate. And then the the other 30% are split between severe and subclinical sleep apnea.
0: Yeah. I mean, those, again, you know, I just had this question asked by um, a hygienist that's looking into our myofunctional therapy course. Like
1: there,
0: I forget how she asked the question. I think, is there research on the need for this type of therapy? Um, and I want to, I, I mean, I have actually haven't answered her question yet, but I want to be like, I want you to think about all the patients when you review their medical history that you see have high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, um, you know, depression, heart disease. Think about how many patients in a day that you see that have at least one of those on their medical history. Now yep. let's look intraoral and find those clinical symptoms. I mean- To your point, I mean, I don't know what that math would be in a day's worth. How many patients, you know, if you're seeing 10 patients a day, how many patients are going to have sleep disordered breathing? But I can bet that there's going to be at least probably five in your practice a day that you're seeing as a hygienist that are going to present with a sign and symptom. And, you know, and then you're using that piece plus the clinical piece to then have this conversation. And oftentimes the patients are like, you know, Now that you say it, like they don't, they don't expect their dental office to ask about their sleep. You know, are they waking up in the morning and having to press snooze? Do they need that coffee at two o'clock in the afternoon to get through the day? You know, or if we're talking about kids, you know, are they wetting the bed past a certain age? We can get into the whole ADHD diagnosis, you know, and hyperactivity. I mean, it's just, it's so prevalent. And once I, everybody sees this, that gets into airway and sleep. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. I just, I did a lunch and learn in an office yesterday for this lovely dentist and his team. And two weeks prior to that, he came in just to meet with me, short uh, meet and greet in my office. And we had this short conversation. He was maybe here for like 30 minutes. First thing he said to me when I got to his office was, ever since we had that meeting, I cannot unsee the things that you told me about. And it is everywhere.
1: 83% of people who take two or more medications to their high blood pressure also have sleep apnea. 70% of people with obesity, and 70% of people who grind their teeth have sleep apnea. That's mm-hmm. why this, what, what's astounding to me is that we we interpret home sleep studies, which is one of those common obstacles. People don't know where to go to get their studies read. Yep. We see over 90% of our patients are diagnosed, which means we're not t- testing enough people. That's that's like if you took an X-ray on 10 patients and nine out of 10 of them came back with cavities, then we're right. not, we're either in a brand new, they don't have a dentist in town or right. we're just not screening enough.
0: Right, right. Absolutely. Now let's talk a little bit about that. Cause I didn't know that that was a service that you guys offer, um, reading sleep tests. So how does that work?
1: Oh, uh, it's super simple. You just go to our website. There's an interpretations for home sleep test button. Okay. And then you just send us your raw data. And we have physicians in all 50 States who read that. We do an artificial intelligent home sleep test scoring algorithm that we include in all that. And, um, we give you the diagnosis, recommendation for treatment, letter of medical necessity, And uh it's just on the website. It's really easy. We don't it's not a core thing we do. We honestly just do it because our clients needed an answer to this problem. And so we provide it. Um the other thing is we don't do medical billing to be clear, but hygienist, if you are trying to get your practice to do sleep, please encourage them to not do medical billing first. There's clear verbiage to help communicate with patients. And frankly, it just really complicates any practice that's new to sleep it's a lot it's part of the development in sleep but it's not where you start for most practices
0: okay um and then as far as an office wanting to use your services for getting their sleep uh, studies read is it like um cuz i know like i've worked with sleeptest.com where it's like yeah. if you have 20 patients a month that need a sleep test it's this fee or is it like per sleep test that they send in
1: yeah so we actually don't send st- test to patients. We refer to sleep test or any of the other services that do that. But if I, you're reading studies, it's a pay to play. The okay. only thing we, there's an agreement you sign that says, if you use our service, we bill you at the end of the month for however much you use the service. And if you don't use our service, well then we'll see you next month.
0: Yes. So okay. yeah, Very- pay to
1: play. We don't, we just want to make it easy. We're, we're coaches right. and that is our whole mission is let's get this done and get people helped and help right. them make some money. Um, I will say if you're using Medicare, you can't use our service Uh, as a, if you're using Medicare, you have to have a physician consult pre and post test and you can't administer the test. Otherwise you won't get reimbursed. So, um, and we, again, that's, if you have questions about that kind of stuff, schedule a call, we'll help you navigate it all. Obviously we want to help you, but when we're not in the $90 business, I think that's what we charge for something in that range for interps. Like that's just a thing we do to help people.
0: Um, my other question on top of that then is, and I know this could be a whole separate conversation is something that would actually be, I'm sure very much talked about in your discovery coaching call with, um, offices if they're interested, but just, a even a one sentence answer, if you can give me back to this, sometimes what I hear is that it is not worth it production wise to get involved in sleep and airway compared with the rest of dentistry. So if I can hear your opinion on that.
1: That's bonkers. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, I agree. (laughs) Yeah. um, Sleep, when done well, should be as profitable or more profitable than implants. So whatever your margin is or whatever your production from a single unit implant is, that should be your production for a sleep case. And doctors should spend less than 30 minutes per sleep case with the help of a sleep champion and proper systems. Sleep champion. Yes. So Yeah. We, we, I let... Again, why is it not profitable? Because they try to do medical billing first, typically. It's one of the answers. We like okay. to say medical billing is one of the biggest killers of sleep programs in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a part of the development, but not where you start. Mm-hmm. you got to figure out how to do it, do it well, and make money at it. And then when you make money, you can do more of it. Mm-hmm. So um, you, if you're having problems making money in sleep, then that just means something is off. Something and that's what we come in to do. And I think,
0: too, sometimes what happens is providers, the doctors will take thousands, thousands, and thousands of dollars in education for themselves, but fail to spend the money in educating the rest of their team.
1: Yes. And
0: if you want to talk a little bit about that and the importance of having that shared message throughout the office.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you really like hitting your head into a wall and just (laughs) giving yourself a headache, then that is a correct option for you. Go do it all by yourself. Um, If you're someone who really wants to do this and help people, you have to bring the team. You can't find one of our online courses Nothing we do is for the doctor only like that. Like as a company, we are so opposed to that idea. You can't buy tickets except for one event that we do. That is a business owner meeting that the team's not invited to our online academy. You can't, your license includes six users. Our, our implementation course, it's doctor plus four to five team members. Mm -hmm. Our clinical courses, you plus your sleep champion because Mm -hmm. doctors, you're the leader, but Mm -hmm. team, you are the ones who have the relationships with the patients Right. hygienist, uh, my the dental assistant helping me with my braces this morning is an old colleague I used to work with in a dental practice. Mm-hmm. And she was trying to help me find car seats. Like it was just hilarious. <laughs> like that is the relationship you have with your patients. That's so important. That's so unique. You're the only healthcare provider that has that. Mm-hmm. And we need to understand that. And I'm not to sound like a cold hearted businessman, but capitalize on it. We got right. to you, Help them with the relationships we have, and that's Absolutely. why the team is so important. Sorry, Absolutely. that was more than a sentence, but no, I loved it. Box. I didn't
0: want to put you on the spot, so that's why I said at least a sentence, but I love that answer. um, okay, what about helping patients understand what the outcome of their treatment um you know their sleep apnea or sleep treatment is going to be because I think again, making sure they understand that connection. Like we're just not concerned just with your sleep, but how your lack of sleep and what's happening in your sleep is impacting every other body system that is, you know, dysfunctioning in your body.
1: Yeah. Um, that is so important. And the only way that we're going to do that is, is by kind of playing investigator. Mm -hmm. Um, we have a framework called the hero positioning. I'm going to give it to you in hopefully like 10, 15 words and Mm -hmm. kind of explain it a little bit more, but it's three steps. One, we've got to disconnect the patient's pain from their identity. A lot of patients, they think that they are their symptom.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm a
1: snorer, right? My whole family snores. So you're not a snorer. Snoring is a symptom of a greater problem. Right. We've got to reorient their pain in their life. So now that we know they're not a snorer, what is snoring? Well, it's the bad guy in the story, right? Mm-hmm. So we've got to fix that or, or defeat the bad guy. And number three is we got to show them their positive alternate outcomes. Mm-hmm. And snoring is an easy one, but what if we took morning headaches away or better yet, drowsy driving with your kids in the car? Mm-hmm. Mrs. Jones, what would it be like if you could drive feeling comfortable and excited because you're not worried about putting your kids in danger? That's that's what treatment means to that patient. we got to find out your job as a hygienist is to find out What is it in our patient's life that is likely being impacted by their airway? And the test, the treatment, the next step, the whole purpose of this conversation is so that we might get to that point where your airway is not impacting that area of your life. It could be intimacy. It could be subjective signs. It could be daytime fatigue. It could be drowsy driving. The list is almost endless. But we got to take that pain and position it as the thing we're trying to remedy or the thing we're trying to change with them, not for them, not about them, with them. And, and just have that verbiage that's associated there. And so that's really it. It's like I said, disassociate the pain from their identity, taking a second to show them that the pain is a symptom and can be fixed. And then showing them if the symptom is fixed, this is what life could possibly look like. Um, And a tip, if it has more than three syllables, it's not the correct word to use with your patients. <laughs> no one cares about malocclusion mm-hmm. because they don't know what it means. Right. bruxism um, yeah. is really cool. Yep. That's only two syllables, but grinding <laughs> makes more sense. So finding patient friendly verbiage is also a big thing there.
0: And I think that that's where hygienists are good, right? Because typically yeah. what happens in practice is the doc leaves and the patient turns to the hygienist and is like, so what did he just say?
1: <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Again, part of that opportunity in your role as a hygienist, I think hygiene. I, I don't think that you're, in, I don't know. I'm, I'm not in the general practice, I haven't been in five years, six years, mm-hmm. but I think there's becoming more and more awareness about how valuable your role is. Mm-hmm. You have such an opportunity. You are I mean, think, think about in a different situation. You're the close friend that can come to the friend and say, Hey, I think you might have a problem drinking. Like right. that's the level of conversation you get to have with these patients. Right. And that's not a small thing. That's a gigantic opportunity for you to have a lasting impact in their life. Yep. That's some cool job benefits in my opinion.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, so I don't, pra- I haven't practiced clinical hygiene in a while now, but I can tell you that I miss it. I miss it mm. so much. I loved my patients. I mean, absolutely just, I loved being a hygienist and that part of it, just, you know, the patient rapport part is so important. If you have good patient rapport and you're seeing these patients, like I said, two, three times a year, when you then transition to these conversations with them, even though it's the first time you're having them out of the 20 times, maybe you've seen them, they're going to listen to you because they already know that you care. And that Mm -hmm. to circle back to what you said in the beginning, that's where, that's where it starts.
1: Yeah. And, and circling back to the beginning. Don't get in your own head. Mm-hmm. People know that y- you can even tell them I'm required to continue to learn to maintain right. my license. Like right. what better excuse is there to bring up something new? I mean, right. there's nothing to be ashamed of. I, I didn't know half of what I know. I didn't, I I'd say a quarter of what I know about sleep, mm-hmm. you know, years ago. And it's like, Hey, you, dad, you need a sleep test because I'm pretty confident. I have sleep apnea. You have it for sure. Let's get this going. I mean, how would you have my question to everyone here is if you're struggling with that, how would you have that conversation with a friend after attending a CE course? Mm -hmm. You'd have it excited because you learned something that could impact your patients. Let's take the same tact with our patients.
0: Yes, absolutely. I love that. Now let's talk a little bit about you and your case. So you tell me, how did you come to figure that you had sleep apnea? Where did that all start?
1: Well, it didn't start in the dental practice. Okay. Uh, I I was working in the dental practice. My sister actually worked here. Uh, she's gone on to do more medical work with medical companies. Um, but the dental owner said, well, why would you test, Chad? Look at you. It was $1. thirty-five, soaking wet, five ten, dollars 10 relatively good shape. He's like, just get a snore guard. It'd be fine. And I mean, we all have our own perspectives. So I didn't do anything for a long time. I started working awake and sleep uh, about a year later, and... In our onboarding, we have to test with every home sleep test that we support, which at the time was every home sleep test. Mm-hmm. And so I had to test like something like 12 times or something. Well, eventually I eventually figured out how to do a test correctly and come back that I have moderate sleep apnea, uh, okay. 23 times an hour in my sleep. Every two to three minutes, I stopped breathing in my sleep. And there's a small problem with that, uh, for my health for obvious reasons. So I got an appliance perks of working in the space. got my own appliance And then finally found a reason to get my tonsils cut out, which I've been pursuing for about five years. Mm -hmm. So uh, that finally happened. My apnea went away, Uh, went to a score of two, 23 to two. And then I got married, gained my honorary 20 pounds of marriage weight. Um, And in that, my score jumped back up to six. And I only know that because when I started grinding my teeth, I started, I tested myself, come back, got that. Uh, I'm an ortho now, so I I have a CPAP that I hate, and so I use that. I also lost 20 pounds, so I use it less frequently. Uh, I got back to my pre-wedding weight, um, so I think I'm pretty good on that, but it's uh, it's been a journey, and I'm, I can't tell you the night and day difference. I got eight hours of sleep over three days, which I can tell you objectively is an awful choice, mm-hmm. um, and on day three with my appliance, with only eight hours of sleep, I felt like a brand new man, just like... I was just like, let's go find a mountain and hike that like <laughs> right now. Like where can we go? It was like, I haven't had this much energy since I was probably 14, 15. Right, right. And it was crazy. I stopped getting sick.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: I used to get sick every 3 weeks on a rotation. Um so yeah, I mean, that stuff you can my story's on the internet somewhere, you can figure it out, but that's that's my SparkNotes version.
0: And what are we tra- what are you trying to accomplish with the ortho?
1: Yeah. Uh, I never liked my teeth. So uh, basically for, it started off with me getting good looking teeth and my dentist was like, yeah, you've got a midline shift. And also uh, you're a class two patient with a pretty big overbite. So we are with teeth are relatively where we want them to be, I guess. And so we are now doing the midline shift, moving me back, moving my, my right jaw to the right, a couple of millimeters. And then also next we'll be pulling that jaw forward to collect, correct the overbite. Um, hopefully hoping to be done by March or April. We'll find out. Okay.
0: So. Very good. Super exciting. And I know we had also talked, you know, earlier on the call, I had said to you that I'm a big believer in, and I I say this every time I do a lunch and learn lunch and learn in an orthodontist office when they say, you know, because everybody, of course, they want to refer you patients, but they're like, well, who do we refer to you? Like, tell me what kind of patients do we refer? And I truly believe that any patient that lands in an orthodontic office needs a myofunctional therapy referral. When we mm. think about why the jaw's grew the way they grew, or I should say didn't grow the way they should, mm-hmm. that is due to that soft tissue dysfunction. Um So making sure that, you know, a lot of patients, they even can go, kids at a young age can go through palatal expansion. But if you don't fix what's going on with those muscles, if you don't get the tongue resting in the roof of the mouth, the lips closed, if you don't have those counterbalancing forces between the tongue, the lips, and the cheek, we're going to see things cave back in. You're going to see You know, teeth shift. You're going to see bites open back up. Um, And your tongue plays a huge role in the way that your jaws are able to optimally grow, not just laterally, but also forward. So for you and your class two bite, we know that you have that retrognathic profile. So really making sure that that tongue is actually truly resting fully in the roof of your mouth, the tip, the middle, and the back of the tongue. Um, And I don't know... um, your, who your orthodontist is, but, or if they work with a myofunctional therapist, but if you're not already, I would definitely suggest having a myofunctional therapy evaluation just to make sure for stability and retention purposes, you know, that you're not investing however much money to see yeah. things lapse. And, you know, a lot of people think that myofunctional therapy is new. I mean, the term was coined a little bit later, but it actually, you know, dates back to the early um 1800s or I'm sorry. Yeah. No, 1900, sorry. Yeah. Um, Dr. Edward Engel, how we classify, so like your class two, that's the mm-hmm. Angle classification. He actually wrote articles speaking about what these negative oral habits could do, low tongue posture, lips parting, mouth breathing, what that could do to orthodontic stability And then a little bit later, Dr. Alfred Rogers, who's another orthodontist, talked about and actually termed all of your oral facial muscles, living orthodontic appliances, really giving that much credit to what these muscles can do. And, you know, some people say form follows function. I think it's really a bi-directional relationship. You know, you can do myofunctional therapy, but if you don't have adequate space in the roof of your mouth for your tongue to rest, well, what, what really good is what, that? You know, that tongue's right. going to obstruct your airway. We're not going to really be able to get that tongue to rest in the roof of the mouth. So I always really look at it, and that's why I say that it's so important that orthodontists team with myofunctional therapists because of that bidirectional relationship.
1: So I mean, a question for you then, based on my situation. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm trying to trying to go over, you know, get some correction here and then be pulled forward one of my biggest questions has been how do I make sure that my teeth stay the way that we're paying to get them? You know, so two questions. One, is there, is there anything to do to mitigate the potential pain that my doctor warned me about for moving all the <laughs> soft tissue and musculature? And two um, is what, I mean, obviously I got to go to a consult to get the granular detail, but in general, right, right. what would you tell someone like me who's really wants to maintain this investment and, and also have a healthy airway? Like what is that, it, it sounds like it's too late to grow it correctly. So what do I got to do to fix it or change it?
0: Right. So, I mean, first and foremost, it's never too late. Like there are surgical options, right? You could have jaw right. surgery, you could do Marpi and Sarpy and things like that. I mean, marpie's non-surgical, Sarpy is, but, um, you know, in terms of what you can do added onto your orthodontic plan, I mean, I think first and foremost, this is why too, like, In order for someone to be successful with myofunctional therapy, they have to be able to breathe through through their nose. If they cannot breathe through their nose, we will not be successful. And I say that because patients with chronic allergies that aren't managed. You can go through a myofunctional therapy program, do everything right. We could have you in good oral rest posture by the time you graduate. But if you don't get those allergies under control and you still continue to mouth breathe, because think about what happens when you mouth breathe your tongue drops, your jaw swings back, you have incorrect pressures from your cheeks now resting on those dental arches. It's not going to be a good thing. So I would say first and foremost, I think every single patient should do preventative nasal hygiene. So making sure that you're staying on top of allergies, you're mitigating any kind of uh, nasal congestion, you know, maybe even using mute dilators, things like that at night when you're sleeping, Um, having an evaluation with the myofunctional therapist to make sure that you have proper oral rest posture, also making sure that you don't have any hidden tetheral tissues as well because even like cheek and lip ties can add added or incorrect pressures against your teeth and cause some relapse. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, when we talk about the importance of the tongue and the importance of the tongue resting up in the roof of the mouth, if you aren't like physically able to get your tongue fully resting up there due to say like a posterior tongue tie – it's going to be very difficult. You know, you're only going to be able to take a patient so far based on their limitations. And that's why when I meet with families, I have this slide and I always have it. Every time I lecture, it's a triangle and it has um, structure function and limitations. We have to know our limitations. We all can't do our job on our own. That's why the, it's so important that we have, you know, this multidisciplinary collaboration and those limitations are any kind of airway incompetencies or impatencies, and then tetheral tissues, allergies, things like that. Um, that was a really long-winded answer to your uh, your question. So I hope that no, I learned a lot. you got an oh, answer great. somewhere out of that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I guess based on some of what you're sharing, tongue posture, things of that nature, have you heard of the excite OSA?
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: What is I mean, what is that, how does that play into the myofunctional topic?
0: Yeah. So I ha- I personally don't have enough experience with excite OSA to truly say my thoughts and opinions on it. I also don't know any research or literature on Excite OSA. It might exist. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I just don't personally know of any. However, I did just speak with um, another dentist on the podcast a few weeks ago, and he was talking about Excite OSA. And here's my thing. There's a lot of really great adjuncts out there, right? Like I even love the remastered water bottle. I think it's fabulous. I love the idea behind it. But it does not replace the need for myofunctional therapy. It does not replace the need for sleep appliances, palatal expansion, et cetera. It's an adjunct and something that can make improvement. Yeah. And so that's where I think us as myofunctional therapists are like, not that we don't want to support excite OSA by any means, yeah. but we don't want patients to then feel that they don't need to correct the actual root cause of the problem. Um, and how this dentist was telling me that he uses it. Now, of course, I also understand this part to it, finances, although I do feel that when something is important enough to somebody, they do find the financial means. Um, myofunctional therapy is typically an out-of-pocket expense. And for families that or patients that aren't able to afford myofunctional therapy, he will then sometimes use Excite OSA, and he has said that he's found um, you know, improvements or benefits with it. So I personally don't have An opinion on it. Um, My plan actually since that podcast episode was to dive a little bit deeper and see because I'm always looking for adjuncts or things that I can use in our myofunctional therapy programs to even, you know, increase our outcomes or make it easier for patients, easier for patients.
1: Awesome. I so I think they're sending me an excite, so I'll have to oh, keep in touch. And I'll we'll you back someone, on and tell us how you like it. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to I, I may have to shoot you an introduction to their their folks that I they, they do they I know for a fact they have literature because they okay. are getting FDA clearance for an ad as an adjunct therapy. Okay. Uh, or they have that for okay. airway related disorders. And I think they've got some pretty cool data to to show the improvements on that. But even they'll say like this is I don't think they would say that this is a replacement for a lot of the other interventions. Um, But I think what you just said is so key is like, we've got to treat the issue and get to the thing. And if that takes a special water bottle, I have a special straw, you know, whatever it takes, like we we got, we just got to do it all. And those little, the $10 straw, the, the thousand dollar device. I mean, whatever it is, I mean, those things really help out. Yeah,
0: exactly. Absolutely. Chad, this was a wonderful episode. I am so excited to get this out. Like I mentioned to you before we started recording, I haven't had anybody on the podcast really coming at it from this point of view. Um, So this is really exciting for me. So thank you so much for your time. We'll definitely have you back on again. We want to know about your journey through orthodontics, if you did myofunctional therapy, how the Excite um, OSA device worked for you. Is there anything else that you'd like to leave the listeners with before we wrap up? And on top of that, um, how they can contact either you or awaken to sleep, social media handles, et cetera.
1: Yeah, um, we're we're on social media, awaken number two sleep. That's also our dot .com. Um, and I just say this if you have questions, objections, you want some coaching, uh, reach out to us there. You can reach me at Chad C H A D at awaken to sleep.com. Super complicated. <laughs> Sorry, I'm really sarcastic. Um I like it. I, I I would say this if you are someone who wants to do more sleep, get a free coaching call scheduled. I, I'm, I can coach you. I, I, my full title is too long, but director of operations and coaching. Um, <laughs> but we have, we just want to help you help people. And so if we can help. We're going to, we're going we're gonna to do that. Um, if you have questions, sh- shoot them over. We'll do whatever we can to facilitate you helping those folks. And, um, thank you, Brittany, for just the time today. Um, I learned a ton on this podcast and I think. Uh, it's just a fascinating world. I, world. I'm super excited to get more into the malfunctional topic in and of itself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, Chad, thank you so much again and enjoy the rest of your day.
1: You too. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of I Spy With My MyoI. If you want to hear more about these episodes, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or feel free to contact me at hello at myctom.com. Don't forget to subscribe as well and let us know of any subject or guest speaker you'd like to hear from. Help spread the word by sharing today's episode on your social media page. You can find me on Facebook at CT Oral Facial Myology or Instagram handle CT underscore Oral Facial underscore Myology. Everybody have a wonderful day.